Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the NASCA Stop Child Abuse Now Blog Talk Radio Show. NASCA is the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Victoria Kelly, and I'm your host for this evening. We are on scan number 31449. I'm excited to introduce you to our special guest this evening. However, first, I'd like to tell you that we have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information, for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Again, we are on scan number 3149. And if you'd like to call in, you can call in to 425-292. Oh, no, 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 sorry. You can guest call in at 646-595-2118. And uh, push number one, and uh, you can be part of our panel, which we would love everybody to be. Um, and my co-host, uh, or myself, I guess I don't have a co-host tonight, will meet you on the back line and ask if you would like um, to ask a question or have anything to say. Uh, we would love to have you join us and support our guests. And you can ask any of our past shows by going to www.naasda.org and searching for the scan number of the show you wish to access. Our, our special guest this evening is uh, Penelope Bennett. Um, our show is a question and answer call and discussion um, with Penelope tonight using an open mic forum. We'll feature um, a survivor professional co-host who will fill topics brought the episode by you, by the listener. And so uh, Penelope Bennett is from... Zoracito, Florida. She's a survivor um, as well as an author, activist, a certified health coach accredited in sports nutrition slash certified yoga instruction. Boy, that's a lot. Oh, more specializing in trauma-informed trained yoga and mindfulness. 
YBB in Seattle, Washington, as well as NASCA Blog Talk radio host and NASCA board member. A survivor professional, Penelope teaches mindfulness in the college classroom setting, Bellevue College adjunct instructor, with regard to experiencing abuse, mindfulness, meditation, and breath work. The role addressing or helping to regulate a body and mind affecting by traumatic events. Penelope's credentials include expertise in the atomic nervous system and how the impact of trauma, often repeated and lasting in duration, can propel the victim into a chronic stage of hyper-response to stress, sometimes referred to as fight, flight, or freeze. Tonight's episode is a peek into the healthy modality, sometimes referred to as uh, penema or the breath. Um, all are welcome to join in the discussion. On these episodes, we welcome various co-host survivor professionals who will send filling questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call and participants. Their trauma-informed perspectives of survivor professionals will help them guide discussion on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that springs from questions and topics, again, brought by you listeners. Everyone is invited to engage in tonight's show. Um, so um, I hope that people can um, call in. So we have, um, without further ado, Penelope, welcome to the show. And uh, I am so glad that you're on tonight as a guest. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you so much for the introduction. And um, thank you, Bill, too. I know uh, Bill's I here. Watched and... it a little bit. <laughs> I watched some of the yeah. words a little bit, but hopefully you'll clear all that up for us. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to let it's you go good. ahead and get us started because, uh, okay. you know, um, you've been on here before, and we really appreciate you having you on. And you're also a host, so <laughs> on another night. So we really appreciate you a lot. So I'm going to just turn well, it on let me just mention that um, I was late getting the topic um, on the page, but it's there now. And if anybody's looking at old information, you need to refresh this page um, and also, and or the the blog talk. I mean the blog talk page, but you could also um, refresh the current schedule page and so forth and front page. So it's all oh. done now. Sorry about that. Oh no, that's fine. We're we're all good. <laughs> All right. We make it work. All right. Fantastic. All right. So well, I we'll mean, thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you, Victoria, and thank you. Thank you, Bill. And, um, you know, for those of you that might just be listening in, um, I'm just going to encourage you at any time to call in. And uh, the call-in number, as Victoria mentioned, is 646-595-2118. So, again, that number is 646-595-2118. And really, you know, the topic tonight um, that I, I offered to discuss, and I really, you know, encourage those of you um, that may be listening in to call in, um, because there's, you know, no knowledge in terms of um, the autonomic nervous system, our nervous system, and how that um, is affected um, as uh, if we and as we experience trauma. Um, and that's really the topic that I wanted to bring up tonight is, you know, as adults survive the child abuse, or as a person just living on this planet, you know, we experience um, trauma. We experience stress. We experience things in our daily lives. We experience things like COVID. We experience deadlines. We work, children, 
you know, all these different things that we, we experience in our daily lives um, or as adults who have child abuse, you know, we have experienced um, throughout our lives in childhood. This can have an impact um, on us in the short term and the long term. So I really wanted to t- talk about the body's response to stress, um, whether it's acute, acute or chronic, what the deals with that, and what the long-term impact is of that. And actually, there are some strategies that we have at our fingertips to actually help to mitigate some of that. So how does that sound? Can I, can I continue, Victoria and Bill? How does that sound? Good? Sounds good to me. Okay, great. So, you know, you don't need to know a lot about the autonomic nervous system to be able to relate to or identify um, with how it works. So have you ever been driving in, in a car or driving in your car and someone cuts you off and you have to slam on the brakes, right? Yeah. We have, right, we have these things where our body just goes into fight or flight, you know. We just react. Right. Um, right, right, right. So, right. So that's the response of your nervous system is a fight or flight, you know. Um, whereas um, we've also experienced times when we're our body's at rest. We're, you know, we're in a rest, digest, heal, restore. We're we're not in a fight or flight pattern. We're more relaxed. Um, so there. This is referred to, and it was referred to in the, um, as Bill mentioned, if you refresh um, the page um, on the NASCO website, um, what I refer to is the autonomic nervous system, and I'm not going to go into the entire nervous system, but for the purposes of this discussion, when it comes to um, the autonomic nervous system, it was previously thought that our nervous system had binary. It had two states. You're either at rest or you're either in a fight or flight. So um, so either the body was stressed or it wasn't. Um, and that if the body was, you know, if you were um, exposed to stress, and I just used that example of getting, you know, being in a car and getting cut off, your body went into fight or flight mode like a light switch was turned on. And then when the event was over, your body would automatically go back to a restful state, like a light switch. So it was thought of as being binary. It was either stressed or not stressed. But um, there's a gentleman by the name of Stephen Porges that actually came up with this, uh, what he calls the polyvagal theory. Um, And he said, you know what, I don't, you know, that's not exactly correct. Um, Because when we think about it, we think of uh, long-term effects of stress or abuse, um, we've had discussions about um, sometimes dissociating, sometimes going numb, you know, being numb for a long period of time, experiencing pain, um, being in a state of almost being frozen. And so he um, came up with a polyvagal theory, um, and that was to say that there are more than two states, right? There's more than either being in fight or flight or being at rest. So he came up with what's called the polyvagal theory, and I'll break it down. Poly means many. Um, Vagal, um, this is Latin. I'm not Latin, but I trust them, means wanderer. Um, But the the 
fight-flight response is actually, or being at rest, um, the autonomic nervous system is related to a nerve called the vagus nerve. So when you think of polyvagal, vagus, meaning wanderer, um, many wander. So if you think of a nerve, it goes from the very top of your head all the way down, so it's very long, to the very base of your stomach, very long nerve um, in the middle of our, basically from, from the forehead to uh, the very base of your stomach, um, you get to see that maybe wander goes to being, you know, the, the, the nerve wanders from the top of the body down to the top, meaning the head, down to the uh, very base of the stomach. So this vagus nerve is um, related to our nervous system and that he believed that there was more than two states um, of the nervous system as it relates to this nerve. So, okay, so what does this mean for um, us? Well, let's, let's talk about it. When our body, when our nervous system is um, not in a traumatic state, it's in a state called a ventral vagal or a social engagement state. So when our body is, I would say, uh, let's say balanced um, and we're not in a state of fight or flight, um, we are not triggered, we can be social. We can feel joy. We can relate to other people. We can be present with one another. We can feel empathy for other people. Um, we have a uh, ability, it's called neuroception, where we have an intuition, we can sense um, uh, other people's vibes, if you will. We can interpret their facial expressions in an accurate way. Um, we can um, connect with others, we can feel love, we can be playful, um, we can be present with ourselves and others, and we feel safe and secure. It's our, basically our happy place. Um, when we are exposed to stress, um, that can be in the form of, of unfortunately, of abuse or a stressful event um, or an ongoing stressful event, an illness, um, abuse, um, our body then um, becomes activated. It's called a synthetic activation. So that fight or flight that I refer to, this is really a state of mobilization, uh, we want to get up and run. We want to fight something off. We want to take action. We want to um, we want to mitigate the threat. Um, we can feel tense, um, chaotic. We can feel frenzied. We may feel anxiety. It puts us into a hyperactive state. We can also feel our body seize up. I don't know if you've ever, Bill or Victoria, felt like when you get um, into this more um, activated state, your body tenses up. Your muscles tense up. They lock. You might even feel pain. Um, and um, so that's just an example um, of um, going in the body, going from that social engagement that I just previously described, that ventral vagal state of feeling joy and connection, to feeling stress. So polyvagal theory was there's a third state. To this. So think about as a as a child adult survivor of child abuse. If we had experienced long term stress or long term abuse, 
um, your body's in a constant state being in that um, fight or flight, it gets very, very fatigued. And so the third state that Stephen Porges in his polyvagal theory, he believed that after a long period of stress, the body starts to freeze and shut down. And that's called a dorsal vagal shutdown. So as we experience prolonged stress, our ability to be social, to be engaged, to be connected, the ability to regulate stress starts to shut down. So if you've ever experienced complete immobilization from long-term stress, um, this is going what he um, uh, hypothesized is this dorsal vagal shutdown. I've, in my own story, I talk about hitting a wall where I had been in such a long state, my body, I'd been in such a long state of um, long-term maltreatment, long-term abuse, that my entire body just was so exhausted that I hit a wall. I collapsed. Um, we hear stories from other um, adult survivors of hitting a wall of, of immobil- uh, immobilization. So um, it can show up again as a state of someone collapsed someone who has no agency, someone who's just completely petrified and frozen, um, or uh, uh, someone who experiences feelings of lethargy, who's despondent, who's unable to self-motivate, who feels hopeless, who feels shame. So it's the body's basic uh, shutdown response. So, you know, he felt that actually by going into this complete in fact I'm going to just take a break here and I don't know if I can ask you Victoria if you're okay with answering this but have you ever experienced that state of just completely your body just completely shuts down where you go into a freeze or frozen state absolutely absolutely and that happened a long time with with, uh, abuse uh, later in my life and I couldn't understand why uh you know, never like fought back my abusers and and things like that. You know, I just like, you know, I can't say that I fought him back. I just, you know, just froze. You know, and, yeah. And people would say fight or flight, and I said, okay, um, yeah, I can see, I can see fight and I can see flight, but God, I don't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> and, you know, um, so it, it was really yeah. when I heard that they had to freeze to it. Because it it was like yay, <laughs> I'm acknowledged. <laughs> so it's, what was happening in, to me, you know, started being defined, or what it happened to me, right? You know, because I could identify with the other two, but but the other one that I just couldn't comprehend, you know. But I also yeah. the like we I didn't think you talked too about the breathing and stuff. You know, I'll still do that. I'll be in a real stress situation. I'll literally stop breathing. And when yeah. I was in fear when I was a kid, I would hold my breath, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to remind myself yeah. to breathe. To this. 61 yeah. years old and I have to keep reminding myself to breathe. It's like for people that aren't survivors, it's like, what? <laughs> you have to remind yourself to breathe. Well, like, that's probably one topic I shouldn't bring up with people that aren't survivors. <laughs> 
Well, no, actually, you know, that's, that's a big part of the, you know, a regulation of the autonomic nervous system is the breath. I mean, it plays a big role. In fact, when you take a breath in, that actually stimulates the fight or flight part of our autonomic nervous system. And when oh. you exhale, that stimulates the, um, the, uh, that first one, the social engagement, the rest, digest, heal, restore, that's actually connected to um, when we're, our bodies are more at rest. So the breath is actually, I'm thank you for bringing that up, that's directly related. And I think yeah. we, you know, we even have things um, that we've um, that we don't we may not even realize are related to this um, um, state of our 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 nervous system. But have you ever said to someone, you know what? I held my breath until those test results came in. Right? Yeah. We talk about the breath all right. the time. Or yeah. oh, you know, I was so taken with someone that they just you know they took my breath away. Right? So yeah. we there are these things that we actually use that are actually related to how we feel. Um, so well, I was um, interested. It was interesting to me too, because I was going to a support group and um, they had us like on the floor and breathe. And they said, you know, um, the most, you know, cause I used to like breathe in and um, you know, my chest would go up and then I breathe out, whatever. And they're like, no, when you breathe in your stomach should go out, <laughs> you know, and so I, I'm curious about the different, you know, but I don't know. I laid on the floor and was breathing and we're going, um, you feel that you're not taking deep breaths. And so my question to you is what's the difference between like just breathing to survive and breathing to actually, you know, really take in that energy and the air and that, you know, cause that's what I had to learn how to do is really do deep breathing and stuff. Cause that really helps yeah. me out. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, definitely. It it definitely um, is very helpful in the regulation of of the um, the autonomic nervous system and kind of bringing our body back into a state of homeostasis. Because as you said, you know, if you you know are in more of a fight or flight or frozen state, you know, as we just discussed, you know, why our bodies go into that and really what that's all about. Um, at times we can totally forget to breathe. Um, and that's all, they're all connected. Um, right. And so, you know, we need to, and that's part of the dysregulation um, uh-huh. of being, of the body not being in a, in a state of homeostasis, right? We want to be, we want to be balanced, you know, best mm-hmm. answer, we want to be balanced. We don't want to be so yeah. far over to the social engagement, you know, the, um, the, re- the rest I just to restore, um, either, right, because we don't want to be lackadaisical, you know, back in the day, you know, when, um, you know, 500 million years ago when, you know, humans were becoming, you know, mammals, mammals were becoming human, you know, we don't want to be too much at rest because then we wouldn't be able to hunt our food and we also would be, you know, prey for some other um, predator. So it's Sounds about... like my home life. Right. <laughs> it's about equilibrium, right? So um, um, before I answer your question, I wanted to ask Bill if he'd actually, you know, as sure. I'm discussing the difference in the body, if he's actually is able to relate to, if it's relatable. Um, well, I'll tell you what, the whole breathing thing is, I'm, um, I'm one who, when I work with people, um, I encourage them to, to breathe sometimes. There's one guy I'm working with right now, and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm so excited all the time. I said, why don't you try breathing? 
<laughs> because he's so he's so um, excited. It's really excitement, but it's getting in the way of his ability to communicate and to understand stuff. So, and and this comes from um, early on when I got sober, I was I was beside myself, <laughs> and. Um, with my arms and legs out and and breathe uh, slowly and think about uh, letting the sort of the solution in with the breath in and the problem out with the breath out. And I learned later I was doing biofeedback. I don't know what that was. I didn't know what that was. Uh, But now I I use um, breathing to slow down my heart um, and to um, relax my nervousness uh, it works really, really well, and yes. So yes, in those cases, is that is that close to what you're talking about, Penelope? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. then I have. If that's the case, <laughs> put some things in perspective too. So you know, we are um, we have evolved over time. So as I mentioned, you know, 500 million years ago. Um, mammals were evolving into humans and right. we started with actually so the last part of the autonomic nervous system that i described was the dorsal vagal shutdown which is the freeze we've had the ability to go into that freeze mode for 500 million years um that is a very primal um instinct of our nervous system and it's one that served um, our, us well as we were um, evolving as mammals um, because if we didn't go into that mode, if you think about it, when you're totally, totally hyper-stressed and you're frozen, you know, your blood pressure's up, your adrenaline's up, cortisol, cortisol's up, but we didn't do that, our heart would explode. So um, this is actually, you know, we're looking at um, – 500 million years of being able to, you know, shut down ourselves to survive, right? Um, the fight or flight response, um, which is the sympathetic activa- activation, you know, when, when you slam on the brakes, that car has cut you off, you know, that is actually a, a nervous system response um, that has evolved 400 million years ago. Um, over human million evolution. Getting into, you know, the social engagement um, that rest, digest, heal, restore, um, to be able to mitigate, you know, the, the fight, flight, and freeze, our nervous system has only had that capability, well, not only, but that evolved 200 million years ago. So if you think about it, as primal humans, our fight or flight response, our freeze response is primal within us. The ability to, to, to go into that social engagement, um, part of our nervous system has only, you know, it's 300 million years newer. And so it's not as primal to us. And so we need to be a little bit more discerning. When do we need to regulate ourselves, if that makes sense? Um, it's not as inherent. Um, it's something that, especially as adults who have the trauma of child abuse, 
or anyone, and I think everybody on this planet, you know, if you're in the world, you're experiencing stress. We need to do our, we need, we need to be able to check in with ourselves. Like you said, Bill, you know, we need to know um, when we're not breathing, you know, we're getting so excited and we need to learn how to check in with ourselves. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. Um, right. And listen, can I, can I give you one more example? I, I, sure. um, I've been going to the doctor lately and of course I use this technique when I'm going to have my pulse taken. <laughs> <laughs> my heart can take <laughs> I slow it down by breathing slowly and fully. If I have an opportunity just before they put the cuff on my arm, I can slow my heart rate down and I get a better score. <laughs> right. <True>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. interesting. When I go to the doctor, they just say, just sit here a few minutes and then we'll do your blood pressure. I'm like, just do it now. And they're no. Oh, uncross your legs. <laughs> like, just take my blood because when I do my blood pressure at home, I'm not, you know, I don't just sit. There. So I started doing that, and I agree with Bill that you don't realize, but but that we could do that for ourselves too in other times, not just to get a good good, good blood pressure score <laughs> at right. the doctor, you know, and and uh, you know, like when I was like disassociating a lot um, to learn how to mm-hmm. breathe and stuff. Um, you know, they're telling me that's a grounding technique, you know, and I had no idea what that meant. But, you know, it brought me back to the present. It, you know, I just became more aware of my body. It just a whole bunch of stuff that I just never even knew about, you know. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. when you are, so, you know, we experience trauma in an acute state when we are hurt and we've had these horrible experiences and we're abused at the, at the time that it happens. But really the way trauma is, is defined is that, you know, trauma um, isn't what happened to you. It's the, um, this, you know, this regulated state, the result of what happened to you that stays in the body and stays in the tissues. And so that's exactly, when you say that's what we need to bring ourselves back into the present. We need to work through into the tissues of our body, you know, through the autonomic nervous system to address that. In fact, Bill, you had once brought up on the show, you know, I know that we talk about, you know, trauma on the brain and the and neuroplasticity. And, the you know, being able to self-regulate um, our bodies, um, from trauma is we are not, you know, made of glass. You know, you think about a big wine glass that you would throw on the ground that was shot everywhere. We're plastic, so plastic doesn't break. So we have the ability um, through neuroplasticity to regulate ourselves. Like Victoria said, you know, Mm -hmm. dissociation is dysregulation of the mind. Um, And that does also have to do with, with, uh, you know, our nervous system can become dysregulated. So you're right, Victoria, it's all, it's all very connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good news is, is that there's, there's, you know, things that we can do to help re- regulate ourselves. Um, so I like to just sort of, you know, you've talked about some things that you do, um, but some of the things that um, I work with uh, my students on is, you know, so how do we, um, first of all, how do we, even get in touch with ourselves to know that we're dysregulated. So, Victoria, you know, you, you mentioned 
um, that you have some checkpoints, right? Yeah. Or you've been checkpoints. Um, so um, part of it is, well, you know, I don't know. Just to one thing too, like when I realize I'm talking really fast and I'm not really putting any periods or commas, mm-hmm. that was, <laughs> what I'm saying, whatever, it's like I have to go, wait a minute, you know. But the thing is, is like when you're in, um, like when I was like in crisis mode, living, living this assisted living, I really couldn't even slow down enough to think about doing anything good for myself like breathing because I was in constant having to be aware all the time of what was going on. I was being harassed and wasn't getting the right amount of nutrition and this and that. And now that I found out I've got my own place and stuff, it's like it's a, it's a whole different world, you know, because I have time to focus back on myself. And um, it, it's not easy. I just want to tell people that, you know, it's a lot of work. Just like when I got sober, I said quitting, you know, drugs and alcohol, the easy part, living life on like terms, you know, and being able to process this stuff and, you know, go, stop to go to a meeting, you know, and, and slow down the crisis and stop and say, hey, I think I need a meeting. You know, I mean, this all takes a lot of effort, <laughs> a lot of listening to yourself and, and seeing what's going on in your life. So I would encourage people to take time for yourself to, to try some of this stuff out or investigate it a little bit more. I just want to make sure, you know, people know this, this doesn't happen overnight. Um, there's, yeah. You can learn all you can, and I had a whole bunch of head knowledge, um, but I didn't, you know, still that wasn't doing it because I wasn't feeling it like in my gut and my heart and didn't even know why I should be taking care of myself because, you know, at the point I was suicidal. You know, like, who cares? <laughs> you know? Right. So, you know. Well, and, and, but it's, and it, like you say, it can be practiced. You know, it, it, it should be practiced. You don't, you don't expect to, you know, be able to do the 50-yard dash in 4.5 seconds unless you practice. You know, you can't do it. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with the breathing. Yeah. You know, you, you have to breathe. You have to be conscious, first of all, of it. You have to be conscious right. to do it. Uh, to, re- to regulate yourself, you have to be conscious. So mm-hmm. you have to be thinking about it, in other words. And I think um, I don't think it's that hard, to, to be honest, in case there's listeners out there that are afraid they'll never learn this. It's not, it's not that hard. You no. can actually feel the results in your chest, you know, and in your heart, which is your heart. That's what you're feeling. Uh, and right. your, you know, your pulse, and so forth. So I encourage people to try it. I, like I say, I I started out by lying on the floor. <laughs> I was trying yeah. to get into the most relaxed, relaxed position I could, with my arms stretched out beside me, and you know, and I and I just kind of tried to clear my brain, and maybe I had a prayer that I said while I was doing this. But the idea was you were breathing in. I called it breathing in the solution and exhaling, and again, slowly, the um, problem. And it yeah. really works. I really yeah. I don't think anybody, I think everybody can do it, let's put it that way. Yeah. Sorry, Rick. I mean, sorry. Actually, a friend of mine was saying also um, that he was taught in one of um, the programs he was going to, it's um, breathe in, the smell the roses, and, and uh, blow out the candles. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was 
that was pretty cool, you know, but I think, you know, like now I go down and I got a meditation area in my yard to go down to, and I got some spots in my house, um, that, that I go to, you know, and, uh, but before it was like, you know, the first time that I ever, they told us we're going to do this meditation thing. So I'm in the hot psychiatric ward and they got us all in this little room and I don't know, there's about 12 people in there. I got mats on the floor. And then they go, we're turning out the lights and shut your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Look, men and women in the room, I've never been, you know, dealt with anybody else. <laughs> you know, I've done hardly anything on my trauma, and there was no way I was shutting my eyes. And this whole dark room was not going to work. I just get up and got out of the room, you know. And <laughs> so, <laughs> I... <laughs> You know, and then, you know, I didn't care if they were right and I wasn't participating or, you know, in my therapy or whatever, because that was not going to work for me, you know. Right, but, right. Um, but, you know, I found other places, you know, they've got body work and, you know, um, breathing things now. And, um, you know, you don't have to get into all that to just, but, you know, I've had people I try to, you know, they will just breathe in and breathe out well, and find a quiet place. Five five minutes, so just you know, relax and and they'll can't do it. I tried it and I, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. But like Bill said, just keep practicing. You know, um, give yourself you know time to learn something. I you know um, so kept telling me I couldn't cook. I couldn't cook. And um, I finally had a worker come over and said to me, um, "Did anybody ever teach you?" And I said, "Well, no. I got thrown out of the kitchen when I wanted to learn from my grandma." She said, "Well, if nobody ever taught you." How do, how are you supposed to know? And I went, hmm. And she didn't say, I'll teach. She said, you want to learn. And I think that's the important thing. You want to learn. So I'll let you go. I just wanted to throw that in. I mean, that's... Unlearn. Hmm. Okay. So you're Thank both... You. You're both this is, no, this is great. I mean, great contributions because, you know, this is, first of all, it is it is an... It is a concerted effort to just to to bring your awareness to the fact that it's something that needs to be considered to be incorporated in your daily life, especially if we're in recovery because we're in recovery, and recovery is a journey and it's something that's done every day and we'll be doing every day um in fact, bill, just to quote the um a well-known psychiatrist, Dr. Gabor Mate, who said, you know, staying conscious is daily work. And um, that's what it is. So let's talk about some of the ways, um, and you mentioned some of the ways. Um, there are a lot of different ways to um, start to check in with yourself. I'll just call it checking in with yourself. Um, and a lot of times, you know, as adults, if we've been in a fight or flight or freeze mode or we're in the inception of recovery, you know, this is part of the journey is to realize that um, we are frozen, you know, and and, and um, if you've, you've been in a fight or flight or frozen mode for such a long time, it's your normal. Um, so it's a, it's a journey to um, start to uncover um, the fact that we don't, there are different ways our body can feel. There are different ways our body can feel. Um, so how, how do we start?
start the process, and there's a lot of different ways. And so I don't want anybody to be really overwhelmed or in, intimidated. And I, I know when I first started out and I heard about mindfulness and meditation, I was very intimidated. I thought, oh, I can't do this. My mind will wander. I'm not someone, you know, that, that's – I had this stigma about it, and that was just my thing. But as Bill and, and Victoria, you know, already, you know, talked about some of the ways that they um, – practice self-regulation or the breath, you know, regulating the autonomic nervous system, it can be something having a sip of ice water. Um, bringing yourself to some of your senses. Um, so, for example, I when I take a class and I talk about mindfulness or I'm trying to, you know, bring people into the present moment, I'll focus on the senses and I'll say, well, um, and Victoria mentioned, you know, um, smelling in the roses, blowing out a candle, I'll say, you know, just take a moment and notice something that you can smell or notice something that you can see, notice something that you can hear or something that you can feel. Maybe you feel your hair, feel the fabric of the shirt that you're wearing. So even just bringing yourself into the senses is a way to bring yourself into the present moment and notice um, Another thing that brings you, you know, into, you know, noticing is just noticing how you feel. I mean, so Bill and Victoria, if I told you right now, can you bring your attention to your big toes? How do your big toes feel? I mean, how Easy. Often do I can do that easily. I'm really yeah, conscious of often? my big toes. <laughs> right. How often do Mine you are bring nothing. your awareness? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, but you you notice something. Don't judge how they feel. Just notice how they feel. So they yeah. a lot of times yeah. we right. do. Okay. okay. But, but I agree. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> right. Have you, have you thought about how? Right. So, so it's the practice of bringing your awareness back. Um, and a lot of times we just have to, you know, take that moment. Um, some, whenever I, you know, go into a restroom, take a moment to just stop and look in the mirror and just take a breath. Because how often, I mean, we breathe, you know, how many thousands of times a day, but, you know, a lot of times we don't even realize we're breathing. We just do it automatically. Um, But that's another great way, because even if you just notice the breath going in and the breath going out, that's bringing you into the present moment, and it actually starts to um, calm down the system. So just, just even bringing your attention to the fact that you are breathing. So it doesn't have to be something difficult. It can be something really, really simple. Um, to start practicing, right, as Bill said, you know, staying conscious, you know, every day, staying conscious every day. So, um, I, you know, I would say things that you know will work for you. Um, most of us brush our teeth every day, I would assume, right? So maybe if you haven't started, you know, a practice of, of just trying to bring yourself into the present moment and noticing something, maybe start with when you brush your teeth, just, just notice how the toothbrush feels on your teeth or how the toothpaste tastes. Like actually try and just focus on only that, even if it's for a small period of time. Um, so these can be very, very, very small, small things. So I don't know, Bill and Victoria, if you have any, you know, comments on that or um, any, yeah, you know, I have a, um, a little formula of um, 
um, when I get myself, you know, get back into the moment because I have to stay in the moment, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I find five things that I can see. It's like a countdown. Mm-hmm. Five things that I can see, four things I can touch, three things I can hear, two things I can smell, and one thing I can taste. And not just think about it, do it, you know. Find things I can see around me and then touch things. Listen for three mm-hmm. things I can hear. Um, smell two things. And then find one thing to taste. Mm-hmm. And um, when when I get through all those, you know, five steps or whatever you want to say, um, mm-hmm. I do myself coming back in, you know, into the air now. And uh, sometimes it helps so much. You know, just a friend of mine told me that, you know, she goes, yeah. You know, this is a five-step countdown. <laughs> you know, no, that's the thing that's the easiest to do is the five things to see, and that's why it's the higher number about to do. And and the one that's number one is to taste because, you know, it's easier to do the the things. I don't know if I'm making sense, but, you know, it's yeah. kind of in an order of what's the easiest, you know, and one taste is, uh, you know, and uh, I know that... Uh, a, a lot of times um, when I was just associating and I was like going to the dentist because I had real trauma with going to the dentist um, to just focus on one thing in the room, you know. And there was this one picture in my dentist's office that I just used to look at, you know. But I also had a backup, like if I got really overwhelmed and stuff, I'd put my one finger up and then I'd get all of that out of my mouth. You know, <laughs> I was the only way I'd go to the dentist. And then, you know, because I would just get so anxious, and I just found out now that um, they're going to do a kidney biopsy, and I was been really nervous about it. And the lady called today to set up. Someone else called me. I don't know some other nutrition, another kind of group. She, my doctor wants me, in. and we were talking about it. And I said, "Well, I talked to my daughter about a biopsy," and she said, "Well, why do they want to do it?" And I said, "So they can learn more about, you know, kidney disease." And then um, she says, "Well." it's going to help find out more and you need to do it. And I says, well, I, I don't know. I looked up and they're doing this and that. And it sounds like breast biopsy. And I, I just don't want to do it. And so she will ask him to put you to sleep. So the lady called today and asked her, you know, can you put me, can you put me to sleep? She goes, well, we only normally do that under, you know, um, um, very unusual circumstances. And I says, well, I'll tell you what, it takes a week for me to build up to go to just the general physician and I have to make sure I see my therapist. <laughs> because just going to the doctor to me is trauma. You know, it's really hard to have complex PTSD. And, and she says, oh, then we'll make sure that that's how it goes. Because it's going to be six hours there. And mm-hmm. that really, you know, scared me. And, and she says, well, you know, they start the IV and they do the test. But they keep you around for, I don't know, observation after that. You know, so I said, uh if I talk to my daughter and she doesn't know what I'm talking about, I said, could she call you? <laughs> you know? But, you know, my daughter says, well, they put me to sleep to do a colonoscopy. And I go, well, I didn't even know you could do that. I said, I just poop in a box. <laughs> so, you know, I think sometimes finding out if we got different options, you know, that help us is helpful. Well, I kind of went off topic there, but. Well, but I, I think, you know, these strategies can be used. I mean, like I said, I mean, we're, 
trying to check in with the self and regulating our, you know, nervous system is for all of us, right, in this world. I mean, we have, you know, acute stress, like going for a test, like a medical test, like you mentioned, and we also have, you know, chronic long-term stress. And so um, these strategies work for our, for both those types of stressful, um, you know, paths, if you will. So, yeah. I mean, I, I know that I, you know, my husband, my husband always says, you know, whenever he goes to the doctor and he has blood pressure taken and he has white coat syndrome, it goes off the roof because he gets anxiety yeah. over it. So that's the part, right. like you said, that's the time um, to take, you know, to calm, you know, to try and that's a fight or, that's a fight or flight, right? That's a body right. stress response. What do you do? You try and regulate by going into the more, um, the parasympathetic nervous system, that rest, digest, feel, restore, and you can do that by breathing. Um, what was that? What was? What would, did you just say? I, I you went real quick so, in that rest. So, yeah, that's a it's a term I haven't used yet. So, um, the when a body is um, not in fight or flight, right? Um, but you want to regulate it. You want to go into a state of um, rest, digest, heal, restore, or that social engagement where you feel joy and you feel connection. Um, that is something that where you tap into your parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight, freeze. The parasympathetic nervous system is that rest, digest, heal, restore. Um, and um, that is, uh, so when you're, you know, for my husband, for example, when he goes to get his blood pressure taken, you know, his body automatically goes into fight or flight. But, you know, taking those breaths helps him regulate and tap into that parasympathetic, which is that rest, digest, heal, restore. Um, How many rounds, so a round of breath is when you breathe in and you breathe out, right? You breathe in, you breathe out. Inhale, exhale. How many rounds of breath do you think it takes to, regu- to re-regulate the nervous system? You had to guess. About, about three. Three. And three. No, three. You're right, though. Three. It is three. Can you yeah. believe it? <laughs> you can do more. You can do more. But it takes just three breaths in and out. So I call that one round of breath in and out. Three breaths to actually re-regulate your uh, nervous system. So it seems simple. And so don't discount it because just because it's simple doesn't mean it doesn't have a huge impact. Um, I'll tell you what, I, I know this because when I'm, when I'm doing it, um, I mean, I'm very really conscious of it, when I'm doing the trying to lower my uh, blood pressure. Um, it takes, what it takes is it takes three to get it started. But if, if you do six or eight, you know, it, you know, it'll continue to slow down. But of mm-hmm. course, at a certain point, it won't slow down anymore or else you die. But, but um, you know, it do, I, I know it's three because I do it all the time. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, and I just try to re- relax, let the doctor do their work. I, I, one of the other things that's really helpful is the term surrender is an AA term that we use a lot. I try to keep myself 
in a state of surrender on certain occasions, and one of them is when I'm in a doctor's office. Because mm-hmm. I've been taught that um, that the doctor in the doctor's office is the one, you know, you, the one you follow. You follow the doctor because he's a doctor. She's a doctor. You know, um, I'm not a doctor, but I want I'm, I I give myself over to the doctor because I understand that their job basically is to take care of me, and that's mm-hmm. a pretty good deal. So I don't want to interfere yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know when I was talking to a kidney doctor in that house last week, it was like I kept reminding myself to breathe so that the brain wasn't, my brain wasn't processing stuff, you know. And, and so sometimes I just have to realize my brain is not processing stuff. And then I start, you know, like they'll said, the three or four, whatever for me. And, you know, then that'll come up with a question or, you know, could you explain that, you know, again, I didn't, you know, understand that part. Um, but it, it takes a lot and not just, not just for me before I'm a tester while I'm there or whatever, but just to get past the point of being old enough to even say I'm going to get on my medical van and go to the appointment, you know, or set up the appointment or set up the ride causes me so much anxiety. Exactly. And the regulation that you're doing, those techniques that you're doing, that helps to, I'm sure you found, well, I shouldn't speak for you, but helps to mitigate that anxiety, doesn't it? Right. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I have, you know, I have a, a caseworker that comes over once a week, and if I can't get these done, I have written them down, you know, what they need to get done. And and she helps take this thing because we only got so much time, you know. And, um, I'm just amazed that she leaves that in the amount of time to hear how much to get done. No, but on my own, no. <laughs> and it's, it was even hard for me to accept any kind of help because I figured I shouldn't, I should be able to do it with other people. You know, they just call me an appointment and set up a ride to go and come back from the appointment and carry another day, you know. And, you know, I mean, just everybody's so individual. We need to figure out what will work for us. Exactly. And we so, need more information. Like the information you give us is very valuable. Um, can Can I ask you about this? You know, like personally. Um, yes. How you um, like you said that when you first heard about it, whatever. So, what state were you in when you first found out about this, or or how has it changed your life from? you know, how you started out in your healing process and things. Thank, thank you for asking. You know, because I um, started, I hit a wall. You know, I think I had been in fight or flight for so long, I finally went into into that freeze, that mobilization when I was 40, 46. I, I, I literally collapsed. Like, I mean, I was crawling. I, I didn't know why. I had no idea. I was one of those delayed um Disclosure, you know, I just, I, I remembered everything that happened. I just never spoke of it. So, um, I was in pain, but I, I was so disconnected from my body and so dysregulated, I couldn't even tell you where the pain was. Um, so that was the start of my recovery, and um, as a, 
during the abuse, um, physical abuse that was um, long-term um, uh, physical abuse and sexual abuse at home, um, there was one um, occasion where I remember completely dissociating through depersonalization and, and leaving my body and going up and while well, I was being beaten and looking down at the scene. So that was a complete disconnect, um, Victoria and Bill. And um, I didn't realize, even at the time my class at 46, that I had so my mind and my body were so disconnected from each other. So oh. when I hit a wall and I started doing cognitive behavioral therapy um, and I had my spine fused then, I had heard about how, um, you know, yoga can help with back pain. And I had never done yoga before, but I was desperate to get some relief. Um, so I started doing yoga and um, in turn, and I also, that was part of the healing modality, but it was also, um, I was in cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, but I was, just putting all the, you know, how you start, how you start putting all the pieces together. I was so discon, I was dysregulated in every respect. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I started doing a yoga, and I went to a yoga class called Yin Yoga. And Yin Yoga, I didn't even know what that was. I just went. I don't know why I went. And basically, they really incorporate breathing. And you know it's kind of a it's not really gentle it's it's kind of gentle i mean you're like in a you're in a posture and but you're breathing um and you're extending your exhale, which really taps into that rest digest heal restore and the way that the teacher was excellent and and she was prompting us to breathe and then connect with a different part of our body i hadn't i didn't know I had completely dissociated and literally left my body. I had, it was this transformative hour of me becoming aware and connecting my brain and my breathing with a body part. And um, my, I went from a state of being frozen. I finally tapped into that, you know, rest, digest, heal, restore during that hour. And when the class was over, I was, uh, I was transformed. I had no idea that my body could actually feel at rest, feel so mm-hmm. good. Does that make sense? Yeah. So oh, yeah. that, that, that was like my aha moment of how the breath and also when you're stretching, you know, that yoga is a night. I'm not saying, you know, I like yoga for the fact that it helps your mind connect with your body. If you've experienced dissociation to the point where you've completely left your body, it was a very nice way for me to, and it was a, it's a practice that I do. It didn't happen all at once, mm-hmm. but it happened over time, and that's why I do it every day. It keeps me connected. So that is, um, that was, I don't know if that answered your question, but that was my experience. Um, I did. It answered. Thank you. How profound profound for, you know, adults who are of child abuse, how profound that modality was. But I was also doing, you know, a lot of things helped. Joining NASCA helped and actually have, you know, speaking my, you know, of course, you know, getting it out, right, as well. Right, right. 
yeah, and we can do, you know, a lot of different things. And uh, for me, um, I listened to this this lady that does meditation and uh, it, um, um, every day, um, sometimes throughout the day, just calm. And, you know, she'll say, now breathe in. And I'll be like, you know, already I breathed out. And then she's like, breathe out. And I'm like, was I supposed to breathe in that long when I first heard her? <laughs> like, wow, that's a long in breathe and long out breathe, you know. And, uh, but, um, yeah, because I didn't realize that anybody could breathe in that much and then breathe out to the point of, you know, continuing to push the air out, that there was any air left. <laughs> yeah. But I just you know, wanted to bring that up because uh, um, I listen to her and she's got, um, it's like an eight-hour kind of reprogramming thing. Um, and she's got a whole bunch of videos. Her name's Jess Shepard. And uh, mm. um, it's called Mindful. Yeah. And so anyway, I listened, I listened to her. And uh, it's a lot of uh, healing meditation and, you know, trust the universe kind of things like that. And she's just got this real calming voice, you know. And I could fall asleep to it, and I used to have trouble, just terrible time falling asleep. And mm. it just it helped me so much, you know. Um, but, you know, just finding something like that. And then, you know, I'll get real stressed out during the day, and I'm like, you know what? I can turn that video on, and now I figured out how to get YouTube on right. my TV, and I'm like, static, because I don't have to run over to my phone and <laughs> try, to, <laughs> try to find YouTube on my phone for but you know, just we could we could find different things to um, to help us, you know. And uh, we all deserve to take the time to to find these things that are going to help us, you know, in our everyday life. And I agree too with being able to just have somewhere to speak out and tell your story. You know, there's a park I just want to mention um, the mm-hmm. Facebook group. You know, the, it's a closed group. And I know that I've referred a lot of drivers to that group. And I tell them, even if you don't go on there and post anything right away, just read some of the other stories because you can see that other people are going through the same thing. You can comment and give them support. Or you can go on there and ask a question about what you're going through. And I've had so many people that said it helped them out so much. So I just want to make sure to put that in there. There is, you know, there's, there is support out there. And then we also have uh, three peer support groups um, through Zoom. And you can find all the information on, of course, the NASCA website. But um, there's a lot out there available through NASCA and other programs. And, you know, um, give yourself some justice that doesn't cost a lot of money. You know, <laughs> you know, it's nothing. <laughs> not just not a lot of money, nothing. Um, it's all free. Um, and just like to everybody that that's, um, if you haven't, you know, don't have the support or you want some more support, you know, join in with some of this. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, I think that is so key is that, I mean, NASCA and, and what Bill's built, especially with the website, um, it's, it is like a resource of one-stop shopping and there's just, everything is there that anybody would ever need to go to find information um, about um, anything that's involved um, in, you know, the mission that we have here, but it's, it's child abuse, trauma prevention, intervention recovery. And um, there's, you know, not a lot, I don't 
focusing a lot on the mindfulness meditation, which is fine. Um, that's not, you know, I would just say, you know, you do need to do what works for you. If you're thinking about doing something that incorporates movement like yoga, talk to your doctor first. I just I want to say that. Um, but you're right, Victoria, too, on YouTube. I mean, we have, on the Internet, we have so many resources. There are so many resources yeah. that don't cost any money. Yeah, I, I, and, and we, I mean, young I, people these days yeah. don't realize. Well, like I was talking to my grandchild, and um, Luca was like, um, I don't know, four or five years old. Yeah, Grandma, where are my mom's pictures on you on Facebook when she was little? I said, Honey, they didn't have Facebook. The look I got was like, <laughs> What? <laughs> you know, and you know, I, I'm just totally amazed. You know. Um, about, you know, I, I, connecting my computer up to the TV and being able to, you know, type and look at the TV or, you know, do do the messenger thing and see my kids. One's in California, one's 15 minutes away from me. And, you know, Vinny's downstairs and I'm upstairs and all all four of us are right there, you know. And we're making faces at, at each other. You know, <laughs> you know, we could have never thought of that. Back when I was a kid, you know, and now it's just common day. And there wasn't the information, we are talking about this earlier, there wasn't the information that there is now out there for, you know, to just do a Google search and, and ask a question, you know, like what is mindfulness or what is, you know. And, and people, you know, could take the time, hopefully, you know, even if it's just a little bit of time to chunk out for yourself every day is so important. Getting knowledge, Absolutely. you know, admitting that we've got, you know, that we've got a need for, you know, physical, spiritual, and emotional, and uh, just so we recognize that we have a need, and um, and try to figure out how to, you know, how to make our lives better. I would say the best revenge is to live a good life and succeed and be happy, you know, um, to the, you know, in this, regardless of what I went through, you know. All that I went through, um, it's almost like I'm going to prove that I can still have a good life in spite of it all or something like that. And it gives me energy to do some positive things for myself. Completely agree. I'm right there with you. Hey, Bill, I know you were going to say something. We haven't heard from you in a while. I was going to say that Somebody just mentioned that there wasn't much on mindfulness. Oh, it was you, Penelope. Much on mindfulness or meditation or whatever it was you said. It's just because I don't list on the website all the kinds of available therapies and and tools there are, but I say them all the time. And I just don't say that one. I don't know why. But I could say – I do say yoga, for example, you know, but because um, that one's – in, my, in front of my mind when I'm going through therapist and, psych, and, you know, psychiatrist and counselor and life coach. And, you know, I go through all those things and I rattle off some tools and I just have not, I've been, I'm not avoiding them. I just don't use them. So I'll be happy to do that if I can remember. <laughs> oh. Well, it would be the first time I heard mindfulness of my mindfulness, you know. Yeah, I think, well, you was know. Meant to be, it wasn't meant to be a criticism at all. It's just, um, I'd actually never even looked on the website that much on, I mean, I looked 
years years ago under healing modalities, but I have my own thing that works for me. So I, I mean, I assume that there wasn't much on there. It's not a criticism. It just um, no, no, it no. Is, no, 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 no. It's an, it's an oversight by me. I would have put it there if I was thinking straight that day. I don't think I have any of them there. Maybe I, I might have psychiatry or psychology there or something like that. But not things that I list when I'm verbal uh, is not on the website. I know that. So I'll try to I'll try to remember it is all I'm saying because it is a valid tool that works really well. You know to calm us down. <laughs> Isn't that what isn't that what you know what what trauma informed care is? Isn't it try, isn't it trying to calm us down? That's what it is. You know, yeah. we are so filled with anxiety. I mean, I tell you, you asked about the um, about the um, flight fighter freeze thing. I remember when I was being abused. This is while I was being abused as a child. It was at a summer camp, as you guys know, the two of you know, but just to inform the public. And I was very upset, but I couldn't leave the summer camp. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to reach my folks. 911 didn't exist back then. So I think I put myself into a state of uh, illness. Some, I don't know what the illness was, but it was illness that got me into the infirmary at the camp. And while I was in the infirmary in the camp, I was safe. Now, I did that deliberately. Uh, the next time I, I felt like I was panicked and I needed to, not that not that the abuse stopped and then it started again. No, it, it was continuous. But still, there, was a, there became a point where I had so much uh, anxiety in me, so much trauma in me, that I had to get, take a break. I had to figure out how to, how to take a break. Mm-hmm. And the yep. infirmary was available. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That reminds me, too, like with my grandparents, you know, I'd be arguing, arguing, arguing. I just couldn't stand it. So I'd, I'd run out the back door and I'd run across the playground, which was right next to our, it was quite a ways um, across the playground. And then there were woods out there and I would collapse right before the woods and I would just look up in the sky and just, just lay there for a minute. Well, tomorrow, no minute, quite a while. And then I would get up and walk into the woods. And I would sit there for a while, and I would look around, and I would find one thing, like a stone or an acorn or a leaf or something, that I would get up and walk back home and get in my room. And I, I had a special place I put all these things, and that was like my something that was in my home that I could feel that, you know, I found that was given to me from my higher power, you know, to... Yeah. To help. Well, I just wanted to point out that I had I had never I hadn't thought of that until this conversation. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. thought it, I, I remembered that I'd been I'd be taken I'd been in the infirmary a couple of times. So I went right. to that to that same camp three a month each for three years, so three months wow. total. And I know I was in the infirmary for an extended period of time one time and another short shorter period of time another time and they were you know they were treating me <laughs> for the nervousness i guess it was that could have been attributed to homesickness but it wasn't you know it was it was my uh dissatisfaction with how i was being treated as a as a person 
I couldn't figure out why or what it was. Yeah. But um, thank you for thank you for letting me bring that up because I had not thought of that really ever. I don't think that it was a yeah. that it was a contributor a contributor to. I mean it, that it was a result of a contribution of flight fighter trees. You know. Mhm. Well, I think a lot of times that when um, police come to or, you know, Child Protective Services or Department of Social Health Services comes to a home that's been reported, um, a lot of times that children, when they are abused, um, they don't behave, they don't show the signs because they're also in that state of freeze. They don't look like one would expect um remember my uh a sibling describing after a horrific beating um where I barely survived um I wasn't even crying I mean I was unrecognizable um after um the incident I she described me as being in a state of looking dazed and so if I hadn't had the physical effects that were apparent if, you know, police had been called and showed up at the home and I'd answer the door. I wasn't, I didn't have tears, you know. I wasn't, I mean, like I said, sans the physical appearance um, if I had not had the um, physical, uh, uh, you know, uh, appearance of the beating. If I had just, if I'd been beaten mm-hmm. somewhere where it wasn't, that makes sense my demeanor was one I was frozen. I just was yeah. dazed and confused. So I think it's important, you know, for everyone to understand why and why I really felt so strongly, you know, thank you, Bill, for allowing me to come on the show tonight. We need to understand what, the, what you know, what happens to the body in terms of the autonomic nervous system when we're under mm-hmm. stress acute stress or chronic stress, prolonged stress, um, especially mm-hmm. our children. They don't present, um, and we, we need to understand. We need to understand the long-term effects and the impact, um, and we need to be aware. Um, and I also you know, think that, that children that go in for their physicals need to be um, assessed um, um, wholly, you know, for um, because sometimes how they present, you know, isn't exactly what is not the picture of what's going on at home. So. Yeah, and I think too the the emotional stuff that was going on me with me, you know, um, it, you know, like if I was getting hit in the face, I could have went and looked in the you know mirror and seen bruises or whatever, or this or that. But but that wasn't in my grandparents' house. It was, you know, just a whole bunch of emotional stuff that was that was, you know, bothering me and I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on it cause I wasn't getting hit. And, you know, I didn't even see it as abuse really, you know, and when I started therapy, I could identify, you know, the, the rape and the sexual abuse and this and that. But, you know, until I really started talking about, you know, when somebody says something and how much it hurt me and, you know, feeling like I didn't even have a right to have those feelings, you know, um, just horrible things being said to me. And uh, about how I was worthless and, you know, they took me in because nobody wanted me and they had to take me and, 
my grandparents, you know. I mean, I never felt like, I always felt like I was a burden. And, uh, you know, you can't see that physically. <laughs> that person is feeling that way. And uh, so that's why therapy really helped me because, uh, and I really felt like I was betraying my grandparents because, I mean, after all, they told me all the time how fortunate I was that they took me in. And, uh, you know, it it really messed me up. Um, and then I know that I came home one time that I was raped and I came in and told my grandma this guy kidnapped me and raped me and stuff and I came home and, and I just collapsed on the floor and I told her what happened and she goes, well, at least you didn't get hurt. And, you know, just a lot of weird messages that just took a long time to sort out and a lot of talking. And I've gotten a lot more information from um, other survivors on, you know, how they deal with their lives today. And that's why I like the, the peer support group um, because it gives you other ideas, you know. Um, well, for instance, you just sharing, you know, the things that you shared, Um and having guests on the show that are coming from different perspectives and stuff, it, there's just so much that we can all learn um, to help ourselves. I think it's really, really important. To yeah, I think I think that's really the valid. Conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that, that what you just said is really valid. I was severely criticized, and I think I mentioned it to Victoria when she was in a group, but not not Penelope yet. Anyway, I was severely criticized for um, why I didn't set things up to to make how to say it, for the, for the way I, I set up NASCA and um, that there wasn't enough of a plan to move forward. And I said, well, we've fulfilled the plan of NASCA. Yeah, well, why don't you change it? But see, I don't want to change it. I want it to strengthen and I want it to be promoted more, absolutely. But um, it's really there to uh, inform, like, like somebody said earlier tonight. It's there to teach and inform and and then we don't try and therapize with people that come in. We let them go to other places to do that, and then we hope they'll come back and tell us, um, you know, what they learned. And that's what they do when they come back. They're a returning show member. That's what often happens. But I'm not. Um, oh boy, I'm I'm losing the thought train the train of thought. I'm not upset that we're not growing faster or making more money. I'm sorry that she's upset, but I'm not upset. You know? No. No. Uh, no, that's the way it is. I mean, I just set this up to be a place where I incorporated all the tools and techniques I could think of that were out there and uh, when I was looking, that were not out there when I was looking for a, a place to, to work on recovery. Now, that's a long time ago. Yeah. But many places were you know, had um, prop. I thought they were problematic, and so I avoided using them. But I remembered what those th- the problems were, and none of them are at NASA. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. right. Yeah. Well, I want to say just to the audience that's out there, this is a very good show. Every huh? time we have, um, every time we have a new survivor come on or another professional survivor come on, you know, it just it just broadens our, you know, resources. And I do want to say for those that don't know that all these shows are archived. And, um, you yeah. know, you don't need to go to 
this show with this number to to find something to listen to. I mean, just just start going down the shows if something was like, you know, boy, I'm not really interested in this. Go to the next one, you know, because eventually what I tell people, like in AA and stuff, if you come long enough, you'll hear your whole entire story, maybe bits and pieces from all different people. But, you know, and there's just so much information out there that you can't absorb it all at once either, you know. Um, there's a whole uh, internet. Wanna, you know, we can't absorb everything. And so we need to I keep, wanna, you know, revisiting the topics. Mm-hmm. I want to prematurely thank Penelope for coming on tonight. I'm going to let, let her have some more time. But before I do, I want to say uh, how uh, grateful I am that she's stepped forward to fill this slot. It was an empty slot. And, um, you know, I think Penelope, you can... You can uh, tell me how you feel about it, but I think Penelope would be an excellent co-host whenever we have an opportunity for her. This has been a very good show. I want the audience to know. Um, And I I really hope that there were enough people listening that makes a difference. But there there will be uh, another time to do another of these. And I know we didn't get to even a portion of, a significant portion of what, you know, you have to offer Penelope. So anyway, thank you very much. I'm going to give the show back to you, and I want you to know how grateful I was. Yeah. Oh, so um, we've got just a little bit of time left. Uh, Penelope, let's let you uh, finish up with. You've got anything that you didn't get to get in. This is the chance. This is the chance. <laughs> this is it. It's now or never. Well, I just want to thank you, Bill, for just taking me up on my suggestion that I, you know, come and present this because I know it's, not something that's, you know, normally covered on these, um, you know, as a topic on these evenings, but it's, it's, so I appreciate the opportunity. And also I've heard as Victoria and you mentioned on the shows, on these um, special guest nights, when I hear someone's story, I'm, I always hear as they are telling um, chronologically through their life experiences, I hear, you know, bits and pieces of, um, you know, impact of trauma and how it's um, played a role, whether they know that they're verbalizing it or not, on their, you know, nervous system and their body's response and the long-term consequences of being in the state of, you know, um, fight or flight and then freeze. And so, um, you know, it's it's something that affects all, you know, abuse or, or prior abuse. It's has an impact. Life and stress has an impact. So I just, I, I love, you know, to talk about this and to educate a little bit on it. It's, it's, it can be very complex. And I think the biggest challenge for me was how do I make it a little bit more simple um, than, uh, you know, um, using a lot of very big words. Uh, but um, our, our nervous system, you know, over 500 million years, you know, through its its uh, response has been able to keep our species alive. Um, but sometimes, you know, there is too much of a good thing. Um, and when we become um, hyper aroused, if you will, which is really just in that fight flight, which becomes then freeze, you know, we can experience um, some of the uh, pain, you know, back pain, you know, emotional outbursts anxiety and stress and so um it's i think it's really important stuff to talk about and just bring the awareness so i just first of all want to thank you 
Another thing that I didn't mention, which I think is really, really important, because we see this um, so, many, so many times when um, we talk about um, our healing and recovery, um, the hope and the healing, and it's, it's through our resilience as well. And so I just want to close um, this um, topic of the vagus nerve, the polyvagal theory, but really it's our vagus nerve that's involved autonomic nervous system. And our vagus nerve also responds, it's, if it's strong, if you will, or toned, um, that's our nervous associated with resilience. So if we can tone our vagus nerve, if we can um, keep, it, um, keep, keep it toned, meaning balanced, that homeostasis and use these breathing techniques and some of these other techniques that, you know, Bill and Victoria brought that they, that they practice, such as bringing yourself into your senses, taking three to six to nine rounds of breath. This helps us tone our vagus nerve, which not only brings our nervous system back into homeostasis, but again, builds our ability to be resilient. And I've heard so many incredible stories from our special guests and from yourself, Victoria and Bill, on just our resilience, our inner resilience. And so, um, it's all connected, and so I do. I just really, really appreciate the opportunity. And to close, all it takes is three breaths to to reset the nervous system, to tap out of, to bring oneself out of a stressful state, back into homeostasis, and tap into that rest, digest, heal, restore. So, if you leave with anything tonight, just remember. Close your eyes if you can. Go somewhere, turn your back in a corner, and just take three breaths, nice, long, slow breaths. And it seems simple, but it can have a huge impact. So um, that's one thing I want to leave with. The other thing is, as Victoria mentioned, Bill mentioned, go onto YouTube. You know, you can find so many different mindfulness practices, meditation practices, breathing practices. Certain people and personalities and tones of voice will appeal to you and some won't. So there's so much out there. I would just encourage you um, to go out there, search the Internet, search YouTube. I found a lot of great um, mindfulness and meditation practices just by, you know, surfing um, YouTube and the Internet that way. So find what works for you. The resources are out there. And as am I, um, I am on the NASCAR website please feel free to contact me and I, I love to talk and, and to help be a resource for this. So, so thank you. And I know you've got about two and a half minutes left, Victoria, but I just really want to thank everyone um, listening and Victoria, you and Bill for the opportunity tonight. Well, we sure appreciate having you on and uh, um, yeah, we can, there's a lot more to discuss here. And uh, I hope you can continue to come on maybe regularly. <laughs> I know that you are also host too, so we get your impact more than just when you're a guest. Um, yeah, well, anytime I did another want another uh, go ahead. I mean, let me know. I'm happy to see if I can fit it into my schedule, and and I'll try and bring different content, you know, around this topic so that we yeah. have different things that you know, that are archived that can be that can be used oh, utilized as a resource. That would be fantastic. Um, in our peer support group, we have this um, um, little prayer that we say, and I just want to say it because I think it's really important. I, I like saying it. 
Uh, please grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly. The courage to forgive myself because I always try my best. And the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind heart. And uh, I have to remind myself about a lot. <laughs> so we've got um, just a few seconds left, and I'm going to turn on the music, and we'll uh, see everyone else again, hopefully tomorrow night. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Thanks both of you. Thanks to both of you. Yep. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.